This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, the news is mostly these days focused on the conflict in the Middle East, the Israeli war on Hamas and the Palestinian people. However, there is another very big story and it concerns one of the most powerful nations in the world, China. The Chinese economy is in a bad way and getting worse, it seems. Of course, everyone thinks that China may have eyes on Taiwan, where there's an election next month. But the state of the Chinese economy is important, of course. And it's a pleasure to welcome to the program Ian Williams, who is an author and journalist. He was a foreign correspondent for Channel 4 News and NBC in Moscow, the Indo-Pacific and China. He has also covered conflicts in the Balkans, the Middle East and Ukraine. He won an Emmy and a BAFTA awards for his discovery and reporting on the Serb detention camps during the war in Bosnia. His most recent book is The Fire of the Dragon, China's New Cold War. Ian, you're very welcome to the stand and we're very grateful to you for joining us. It's good to be back. The big story, Ian, is about the Chinese economy and how badly it's doing and how many people are in debt and being in debt, uh, unable to pay your bills in China is a very serious business. There's also 21% of youth unemployment, which I imagine is pretty dangerous given the nature of that society. We know that there was a property crash, as it were, a year or so ago. Can you tell us where that fits into, if it fits in at all, to the the most recent news, the bad news about the Chinese economy? I think it's where it all started, or where the rot started, the most recent one. Um, the property crash is ongoing. The bubble continues to lose air. And more than half, by one conservative estimate of property companies, um, are in a bad way and unable to pay their debts. 
Um, and what you've got is a lands- landscape, effectively peopled by zombies. I mean, these are zombie companies which are being kept alive by a communist party that is terrified of allowing them to go bust, but have really got no uh, commercial life left in them. Uh, the party is desperate that they continue to build houses which they have been paid by homeowners to, to buy because people in China mostly buy off plan. Yes. Um, and the part, these property companies have pocketed the money, um, but are struggling to continue to build the houses. So it, the, the rot is spreading throughout the property sector. And of course, the property sector is such a huge part of the Chinese economy, up to a third of the, the economy by some measures. It really is the, the motor of the economy. It has been. But in many respects, it's a microcosm of the wider economy of uh, bad debt, wasteful investment, lack of transparency. And the knock-on effect of what is happening there um, is being felt across the economy, local government, consumers. Uh, and for their part, the Communist Party just seems to be stuck in the headlights. You know, it, it, it's, it seems unable to respond um, to, 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 to what's happening uh, in any meaningful way. And is there a political price for the president, Xi Jinping? Well, one would like to think so, but it is such a centralized system, of course, and Xi has spent most of his first decade in power accumulating ever greater power around him. So his position is it secure? There will certainly be those around him who are not happy, but he, he does wield an enormous amount of power in any more open or democratic society. Of course, there would be a lot of criticism, and of course, there would be those wanting to hold him and the party leadership to account. But that doesn't happen in China, but that doesn't mean there there isn't a great deal of frustration and anger out there, um, both among companies who have been restrained by him and also among ordinary people, consumers, and of course, young people who cannot afford a home and are facing raising, rising levels of joblessness. Yes, uh, there's a quote here from Dan Wang, who's the chief economist at the Hang Seng Bank in China. He said the situation may get worse before it gets better. There's also something in my mind, Ian, about one of Xi's close associates uh, disappearing recently from the front bench. Where he is, I don't know. Am I wrong about that? Well, there's been a couple. I mean, the foreign minister went missing. Yes. The defense minister went missing. Uh, the a couple, Two of the biggest property companies... Um, well, one of the biggest, Evergrande, its boss has gone missing. Uh, there's another company which is one of the biggest in the shadow banking community there, which is another story of incredible indebtedness. And he's gone missing. I mean, you know, this is the way it works. Uh, there, there aren't any formal proceedings. These entrepreneurs, these business people who have been at the helm of these companies, yes, badly managed potential Fraud, potentially fraudulent, but it's been allowed to happen. I mean, it's the nature of the system rather than the individuals. Um, and w- the, 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 they go missing. And, and this is what happens in China. And, we, and we've seen that both among uh, fellow members of the standing committee and entrepreneurs. And there is an election in Taiwan. And when we look at the 
geopolitical picture, America is weakened fighting on a number of fronts. Europe is kind of almost meaningless in a way in, in terms of power and the ability to influence events, great events. There's a, an election in Taiwan which uh, the favorite to win is a much more a militant believer in Taiwanese independence, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, the, the leading candidate from the, the, the Democratic Party is, um, he's benefiting by the fact the opposition is somewhat split. Um, they are traditionally more pro-independence, yes. but tend to rule more from the center when they're in power. They take the view that Taiwan is already de facto independent, so what's the point of formally declaring it? Um, but they certainly are far more China skeptical. Um, and the ha and, and most of their supporters, particularly among the young, are very pro-independence and pro-distancing themselves yes. uh, much further from, from China. And it does look like they're heading for a victory in, in January's elections. Um, how China responds will be intriguing. Certainly in the, in the lead up to the election, they've upped, um, their sort of gray zone activities, both in terms of misinformation, cyber attacks, uh, military intimidation, uh, the usual pattern that we've seen a great deal of, uh, in, in recent years, but tends to become more intense at times of elections in Taiwan. I mean, one of the small Taiwanese islands, Matsu, which is just a few miles from uh, the coast of China, um, has had its internet cables severed yet again. Yes. It's happened about 27 times in the last five years um, by Chinese fishing boats or, or merchant vessels who, for whom it is, you know, deniable, terrible accident. Um, but it happens with increasing frequency. Um, there's a big debate about whether China's economic problems make aggression against Taiwan more likely or less likely. And that debate is, is quite fierce within Taiwan as much as it is internationally. Uh, recently, senior figures in the government were quoted as saying that they regard that they think Xi Jinping's preoccupied. He's got too much on his mind right now to be thinking about uh, upping the ante uh, against Taiwan. Um, but there are others there, including Foreign Minister Joseph Wu, who I spoke to last year, who take the view that uh, when under pressure, a distraction is always yes. good for a dictator. Um, and what better distraction than to bash the nationalist drum uh, over Taiwan um, if increasingly that the economy is in difficulty. And let's face it, the one of the few means of, of legitimacy the party has is uh, the economy. And if, if that is no longer the case, if that pact with the Chinese people um, is evaporating, then it's very tempting to look for legitimacy elsewhere. And of, of course, the party is in many respects um, a nationalist party now. It's very little communist about the Chinese Communist Party, yes. but it, it, is a, it is a pretty chauvinist um, party with, with increasingly uh, strident nationalist language. And of course, the so-called recovery of Taiwan is is central to Xi Jinping's Chinese dream. Now, next year is election year in the United States, as we all know. We're 11 months out from an election. The U.S. is fighting on a number of 
fronts with amongst themselves. The Congress is unstable. The conflict in Ukraine with Putin on the march. And of course, the problem between Israel and Palestine and how that is really now embarrassing and dangerous for the United States, I would say, certainly for its moral authority, given the backing in terms of weapons, warships, and of course, money, and Biden's frailty. It would seem that if there ever was a time for China to make a bold move, given the troubles the Americans have, this is the time. That is certainly a, a, a fear, um, and I, I'd be intrigued to, to to learn how the Chinese leadership views the possible return of of, of Donald Trump. Um, there are clear pluses for China. It was in quite tough on them, was it? Last time he well, was in power, he, he was he, soft on on Putin, wasn't he? He, 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 he was admired when he, Putin. Well, he started out generally admiring sort of autocrats, yes. and he had quite flattering words for both Putin and Xi Jinping. Um, you know, he saw them as sort of fellow hard men, people that he could do business with. And it was only later, of course, that he toughened his stance on on China. Um, and of course, it's it's now bipartisan, one of the few things that is now in, in Washington, a, t- a tougher line on China. And Trump very much instigated that. But of course, his motives were rather different from some of the others on Capitol Hill. Uh, I don't think he was particularly concerned by human rights in China. It was more mercantilism, more about um, trade and more about protectionism. Um, But certainly, China would be looking, I imagine, at the political landscape in Washington and wondering what sort of Donald Trump they would get if he was returned to power. Clearly, if he was even half as enthusiastic about undermining alliances and allies, then that's a big plus for Putin and China. Um, But of course, he could equally double down on uh, tariffs and other other pressures on Beijing. So it would be intriguing to to learn how the policy establishment in Beijing is viewing that. Yes, and he's notoriously transactional is the word it's used in, which means what's in it for me and can we do a deal? Yeah. And so, you know, and so is China. I mean, China's very transactional in its own way. You know, if you look at the way it approaches climate change talks, for instance. Yes. Um, Tell us a little bit about that, Ian, because they, I take it they are the major polluter in the world. I might be wrong. They are. And there's a lot of paradoxes there because they do spend the vast amounts on renewable energy, but they are the world's biggest coal user and they're continuing i think I have some incredible statistics of two coal-powered plants power plants a week being approved now there's a difference between approval and building but that they are burning coal um, at, a, at a pretty rapid rate um, and it's doubtful they will even make the sort of um targets which they have set themselves but whenever you look at i mean there's a truism that the world needs china if it is to tackle climate change. Um, but China has shown no real desire to be a good global citizen. And when it has sat down at these talks, it's been extraordinarily transactional, and it's demanded concessions in other areas uh, before it will give 
space or, or, or give concessions on, on climate-relating issues. And I, I mean, I'm fairly skeptical. I think China will respond because the damage it will do to itself is so great because uh, it is very vulnerable to the impacts of, 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 of global warming. We've seen it just in the last couple of years with, with floods and, and other natural disasters. And, but China, I think, will do it in its own way at its own pace. Uh, and it certainly won't do it because it wants to be a good global citizen or it's being pressured to sit down by, um, by Western countries. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, a total of, uh, according to the Financial Times, a piece filed from Beijing, a total of 8.5 million people, most of them between the ages of 18 and 59, are officially blacklisted by the Chinese authorities after missing payments on everything from home mortgages to business loans. And this is according to the local courts. That, of course, 8.5 million sounds like a large figure. It's only 1% of the working age Chinese adults. Does that cause unrest or is unrest just not a concept that is relevant because the Chinese leaders have such a grip on society. They do have a firm grip, but we are entering uncharted waters in many ways, because although that figure you pointed out, 8.5 million, has a proportion of, of the Chinese population, it's quite small, but it has increased quite dramatically over the last couple of years. Yes, from 5.7 in, in yeah. early 2020. And because the credit system is pretty basic, um, it means that those who do default 
face quite draconian uh, penalties. Um, they'll be blacklisted, as you point out, for all manner of services, even when it comes to buying train tickets, plane tickets. Um, you know, you're effectively grounded. So you run into financial difficulties. You get on a blacklist. Your credit score, you remember, you regard, you remember the, the famous social credit system, which yes. was very much reported in terms of its political impact. Uh, people getting negative marks for the wrong political views and therefore being blacklisted from certain areas or services. Well, of course, the other side of that system is people who go into debt or have poor credit records. Um, and there aren't the, the systems in place, uh, to, to, to deal with that in a, in a rather more compassionate or, or way. So people are facing all manner of sanctions. Um, after they fall into debt, and an increasing number of people are. And of course, this all comes back again to the, the property crisis, because so many people have money tied up in property because it was seen as a, a safe asset and a, a, a good way of investing because you don't yes. get much return on a bank. Uh, and now, of course, having put money in, property companies are going to the wall and aren't building their promised flats or houses. Uh, which is aggravating the financial situation. I mean, you are, I mean, would there be unrest? It's so hard to judge that. We didn't expect to see that outburst at the end of the COVID-19 lockdown. Yes. The famous white paper protests, the A4 protests. So tell us about the white paper protests. Um, These were the ones, uh, you recall in the the November before, I mean, many people feel it was why she, in the end, abruptly abandoned COVID zero after being so closely identified with it and after almost seeing it as a a part of party virility to get rid of COVID completely. Um, He then abandoned it. But in the November before that, there were protests across China um, and they were dangerous for the party because they involved migrant workers, students, the middle class. It was the sort of coalition they have nightmares about. Right. And one of the symbols of that were people standing there with blank pieces of A4 paper. Right. Uh, the, 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 the symbolism being that we can't say anything. Yes. You know, we've been gagged. We, we, this, this is our way of protesting against the lack of freedom of expression. Um, and I don't think anyone expected those protests to flare up in the manner they did. Uh, but it did show the deep seated frustration that existed. Now, you're now seeing, especially among the young in China, the end of this contract almost that, you know, the idea that you could, that you keep quiet politically. Yes. You know, you, you buy political docility, but you, you go out and make money. You know, we'll provide you with the economic opportunities. You get out there. You are the generation of the future. You earn money. Um, and that's broke breaking down because you're seeing such a large portion of youngsters unable to get jobs. Um, it's some people say, well, it's isn't that a bit doesn't that sit a bit uncomfortably among the longer term demographic problems, which suggests there won't be enough. But I think part of it is because of a mis, mis, mismatch in jobs that you've got so many graduates now because of a massive extension expansion of higher education that there aren't the jobs there for the graduates. And, and it's people that some are just simply dropping out. Um, others are becoming increasingly frustrated. And 
yeah, the levels of youth unemployment, as far as we now know, are 21% yes. plus. But of course, when it hit 21% in the summer, the Communist Party did what it often does when it doesn't like the statistics. It simply stopped publishing them. Right. The, the potential for, we see America now in, in deep trouble, really, with the Congress unstable. The possibility within the next three or four weeks that the funding will be cut off for everything, really. And the weakness of Biden, the unpredictability of Trump, many people would say this is America at its weakest. It's committed to a shameful exercise by the Israelis in the Gaza Strip at the moment. If China had any desire to exploit that, first of all, is that the way they perceive the United States, as most people do? Europe doesn't really appear to count it. Somebody said about the Pope, how many battalions has the Pope got? You could ask the same question arguably about Europe. What, what I'm getting at is, is China so preoccupied with its own economic problems that they're unlikely to make any moves towards Taiwan, for example, or in any other way, try to exploit the West's problems and divisions? Well, you're seeing that to some extent in the South China Sea with the growing number of near misses and close encounters yes. between the military, the PLA and the US military, which have just soared um, it, over, over recent months. And, and in fact, uh, it was one of the issues which Biden was keenest to talk to Xi about in San Francisco last month, to yes. put military to military communications back in place. You're also seeing conflicts over the laying of internet cables in the South China Sea. Yes. Um, so you could argue that China is already in many respects pushing the limits, is, is starting to be a bit more assertive. But at the end of the day, the economy is, is not good. And without a good economy, the, the party's legitimacy is increasingly damaged. Uh, what is interesting to me about that summit in San Francisco is that Xi was almost seemed keener on his meeting with business leaders, um, which right. took place uh, at a banquet that same evening. In fact, in the run-up to the summit, that he'd wanted to have that meeting with the business leaders first, uh, but the Americans pointed out that that wasn't protocol. Um, uh, you know, he's desperate to get American businesses back on, uh, you know, back investing and, uh, in, in the Chinese economy, having, having followed policies for many years, which seemed designed to drive them out. Um, which would, which would even be bemusing for Mao with all his stuff about contradictions. But so I think that the, that China is adept at exploiting American weaknesses and will be following very closely. But at the same time, it won't want to do anything to further damage what is a very fragile economic situation in China. Just a final question, Ian, about uh, Xi Jinping himself and, say, the two or three disappeared comrades. Is that, how secure is he? Because he, at the last great convention, I think it was 
around a year ago, he was effectively ordained as leader for life and the first person to have that accolade since Mao Zedong. Yeah, I mean, on, on paper, he's he's a very powerful leader, but historically, people who study these things will tell you that that is often the most dangerous time yes. for Chinese leaders when they're at the their, their pinnacle of power. Uh, it's it's the legitimacy, I think, which flows from the 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 economy plays out in several different ways. Because if the economy is not good, um, then that affects the legitimacy of the party. It also affects the amount of money that's available for this breakneck military buildup. Yes, you know, the biggest we've seen anywhere in peacetime. Um, it also affects China's legitimacy in the eyes of other countries, particularly um, in the global south, so-called, which he would like to think he was the leader of, you know, after spending many years saying, look, jump on the express train that is the Chinese economy. Yes. You know, that express train is now going into the sidings or maybe even derailed. Um, so China, in that sense, is losing its power to seduce when it comes to the, the global stage, because you know, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of soft power there, um, and a lot of these other countries are also fairly transactional. If if China hasn't got the attraction of a rapidly growing economy that they can jump aboard, then what have they got? Um, so there's there's lots of issues here that flow from the economic pressures that Xi and China is under, which would suggest a certain amount of caution globally in terms of, of, of pushing uh, the United States. But it would also suggest that the underpinnings of, of, of Xi's legitimacy in the party are also very fragile. Now, what's that there were rumors when they had their little get-together on the coast, Idaho, the, the annual meeting they have, um, that there were pressure and criticisms then. It's significant that a major economic forum that normally takes place at this time of year has not yet been announced. So, right. yeah, there's, there's a, there seems to be stuff going on. Um, you know, as ever, trying to read the tea leaves with the Chinese Commun Communist Party is is very difficult. But uh, at the very least, I would say these are not comfortable times for Xi. Right, and the idea that bad news for the West is good news for China doesn't necessarily hold in the present circumstances. No, I think he's got, <laughs> he's got a good few things on his mind, on his plate right now. Okay, and we're very grateful to you, as always, for joining us on the stand. Ian Williams is a brilliant journalist and a very experienced and award-winning BAFTAs and Emmys, and even he can't figure out what's happening exactly <laughs> in China. Thank you very much, Ian. We're very Thanks, grateful Ian. to you. We're grateful to Ian, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.